Welcome everyone to Generations Church. We're delighted to have you with us. We're on a journey declaring things that as Christians we should honor. We're calling this series Honoring God and More. Can we say more? So here's today's primary text from Luke chapter 9. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Powerful six verses. Jesus, having an eternal perspective, does not see life like we see it. We're trapped in this linear universe in which we live. So what we just heard narrated was from the New King James Version of Luke 9, 57 through 62. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Who wants to follow him? A noble decision, but sometimes there's things that distract us. There's things we want to do first. I got to do this. I got to do my routine. I got to do that. I got to go here. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, to follow me, you're going to have to be flexible. Then he said to another, follow me. The words follow me in Greek generally are two words, which means come here, come after me. It's a command and an invitation, the opportunity of a lifetime. Verse 59 continues, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, if his father was on his deathbed, he wouldn't have been there. So, you know, Lord, let, let me get my dad out of the way and then we'll follow you. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Who can say Jesus is radical? And another, verse 61, said to him, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I'd like to speak to you for the next few minutes on honoring, following Jesus. This subject is very dear to my heart. In 1987, January, I was 30 and a half years old. I was at a Bible conference at the Dallas Convention Center in Dallas, and it was an annual event called the James Robinson Bible Conference. They were awesome events. 
And I just heard a man preach named Jack Hayford for the first time. And he preached a story of Jacob wrestling with God. And the angel of the Lord pulled his hip out of joint, changed his name, and he walked as Israel from that day forward. Although he often functioned as Jacob, he wasn't perfect. Who knows that's true? But he walked with a limp from then on. And Jack Hayford made this profound statement. Life with God is always walk with a limp. Jacob, before this, had a manipulative approach to life. He was going to get her done. Come hell or high water, even cheating he and lying, he's going to get her done. He was a man of action, a man who wasn't going to wait on God, a man who was going to do things, and hopefully God will bless it. Self-assured swagger, no doubt, he had when he walked, but from that day forward, he was done with that part of his life. Wasn't perfect. He wound up, after reconciling with Esau, lying to him again, but he was on the way. Who knows? We're on our way, right? We're not who we were. We're not who we're going to be, but we are on the way. That message hit me between the eyes. Two years earlier, in 1985, my wife and I planted a church with our two small children called Church Triumphant. That first year, we wound up in 2,500 square foot space at an office warehouse complex, and Church Triumphant was born in a hotel, and then we moved there, and it just wasn't working. There wasn't the grace to do what I thought God had called me to do. I knew I was called to preach, but I thought we had to take our calling and do the best with it, and I was doing the best I can. I was bivocational, and my kids weren't getting enough attention. My job, I hated it. The church wasn't doing well, and I was coming to an end of myself. And Jack Hayford's word hit me between the eyes. The service was over, the arena was vacated, and I was alone up in the risers on my face in a puddle of tears, crying out to God and asking him to show me his will. I had come to an end of myself. My grandpa was a preacher. My dad was a preacher. Being a preacher was the only thing I ever wanted to be. Some boys want to be firemen and cowboys. I always wanted to be a preacher. Even before I believed I was saved, I had this burning desire to do this. And <laughs> it wasn't a sibling thing. None of them wanted to do that. But I just did. And so I was going to do it, right? Well, for the first time in my life, I wiped the whiteboard of my life's plans clean and said, God, I'll close the church. I'll do whatever you want. What have you called me to do? And two words burned in my heart. And I knew then, and I know now it was the Lord speaking to me. And the two words were, follow me. And I got excited because he didn't tell me to close the church, okay? So my pride was excited about that. And I really sought from that day forward to be a Jesus follower. I was more of a calling fulfiller guy had an agenda, tried to learn how to do things to get her done. I almost changed the name of the church to Jesus Following Fellowship because I'd heard from God, right? Four months later, he spoke to me again, close this thing. What? God, you've deceived me. For four months, I thought you were going to bless this effort. 
Why have you allowed me to be deceived for four months thinking? He says, I haven't deceived you. You open the church. I'm closing it. So the next Sunday, we announced the next Sunday would be our last service, and the little group gathered together, and we had record attendance, 43 people. We'd never had that many people in church before, but I was not going to override what I believe was the voice of God. And we closed it. And from multiple sources, confirmations began to come. So I thought, that's it. I'm not going to be a pastor. I'm just going to be a Jesus follower. So I, I got busy pursuing what God wanted. We wound up in a church he told us to be part of, told us we were home, Shady Grove Church. And my wife got involved in children's ministry, so I got involved in serving her ministry and serving the children's ministry. Who knows, if you have children, you want a church to have good children's ministry, right? So one way to assure that is get involved in children's ministry. And I just humbled myself. My pride was crushed. I cried quite often for the first year or two after that. Involvement in children's ministry led us four years later to get involved in kids' ministry here on Wednesday nights. And then nine months later, I became the pastor. That's a whole other story. But my primary calling is not to be a pastor, not to be a preacher, not to be a teacher, but to be a Jesus follower. And I believe that is the calling of every person here. And today we're going to share four things. The fifth thing is just a reminder to focus on the four things on how to be a Jesus follower. But first of all, let's look at Webster's 1829 Dictionary. It's a huge definition for the word follow. It means to go or come after. When you're following someone, they're in front of you, right? Right? I wanted the Lord to be with me, to bless me, to come up behind me. You know, there's this crazy song that's kind of popular in some circles, Lord, let your spirit follow me. That is not, that is not following. Word to follow. It, follow means to walk, ride, or move behind, but in the same direction. The Lord's leading this way, you're going that way, you're not following. You're behind him, but you're not following him. The word follow also means to pursue, to chase. If you're in football and wanting to tackle the man with the ball, you're following him, right? To accompany, to be of the same company, to succeed in order of time. For most of us, lunch is going to follow this service, see? First the service, then the lunch. First Jesus, then me, then us. The word follow means to result from, to imitate, to copy, to embrace. It means to obey, to observe, to practice, to conform to, to pursue as an object of desire, to endeavor to obtain. You're chasing to get a hold of something, to adhere to, to side with, to worship, to serve. Because God is on the move, he is taking us places, and we don't know what tomorrow brings. We have plans. The Word says man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So there's a certain amount of insecurity in this thing. If you have to have all your T's crossed and all your I's dotted, following Jesus is going to frustrate you. If you're rigid and set in your ways, following Jesus is going to upset your apple cart, get you out of your ruts. 
I used to have a pastor who actually passed away recently, Kenneth Phillips. He used to say, a rut is a gray with both ends kicked out. Aren't you tired of living life the same old way? Going to church just to get your God fix? Maybe the best part of church is when it's over, kind of like the relief you feel when a hot sauna is over. I hope that's not the case here, but it can be sometimes. But we're called to follow Jesus, not religion. Maybe you want Jesus to be your friend, but you want him to agree with all your stuff. If you're one of those people that only have friends that agree with you, you're never willing to agree to disagree, you've got some things to learn. We have some things to learn in what it means to follow Jesus. So I learned these things and set my life to do it. I've not done it perfectly, and often I have to be reminded to return to the principles of following Jesus. That is what we're called to do. When he made disciples, he told them to repent. He also told them, follow me. Following Jesus is repentance expressed beyond just turning from sin, but turning to him. In Britain, the soldiers march in formation just like they do here, but when they want to make a 180, they don't say about face. The commander says, repent, and they turn on their heels and go the opposite direction. You know, when you're following self-willed ways, you're vulnerable to advertisements, you're vulnerable to easy credit, you're vulnerable to selfishness. We are called to follow him. And if your spouse is endeavoring to follow the Lord and you know it, don't you dare resist it because the Lord's going to take you on some adventures, scary things, but when your life is over on this earth, you may have some stories that could be written in a book. If everything goes your way, who wants to see that movie? Conflict and resolution. So the Lord leads us to what to say no to. Who knows? We don't have to say yes to every single thing, right? I mean, in John 4 is a story of Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, surrounded by sick people. The father told him to heal one person. According to the story, he healed one person and went on. What about all those other people? The Father knows about their condition, but Jesus was committed to following his Father's will, not just the needs that were around him. Now, whoever came to him, he never turned away. But who he went to, he said, I do whatever the Father tells me to do, and I say whatever he tells me to say. So how do we live likewise? Jesus followed the Father's will. We follow his will. We follow his person. We follow his spirit. So number one, we seek his kingdom. Can we say it? First. Numero uno. Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that we worry about will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. We are to live a worry-free life. So my prayer is today that when we leave here today that we know we're following Jesus. And when we're tempted to worry about tomorrow, we remind ourselves, you know what, I'm following Jesus. Lord, what are we going to do here? (laughs) Everything I have, you can have it all, Lord. I love that song. 
What are we going to do? Lead me. Show me. This really is how to live. This is Christianity one, not even one-on-one. It's one. We spoke on forgiveness last week as Christianity 101. The first thing we learn to do when seeking his kingdom is we seek to reconcile with those with whom we have ought, which is in the ministry of forgiveness, the ministry of reconciliation. This is a priority. If we harbor bitterness in our heart, we are saying no to God. We're telling God, talk to the hand. Well, guess what he's going to do? Talk to the hands. Number two, to truly follow the Lord, we must follow his teachings. The word was with God in the beginning and was God in the beginning, according to John 1. 1, verse 14, that word who was with God and was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. He did not come and speak meaningless platitudes. Or some people say, he came as an Old Testament prophet. No, he came as the prophet for both Testaments. The words he said to the masses apply to us all. In John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the truth that makes us free is the truth that we know, and the truth that we know is a truth that we live in. So we read it, and we take it to heart, and we pray about it. Help me, Lord, to do this, to give this, to forgive that, to pursue that, to go there, to be here. Help me, Lord, according to his teaching. Now, as Americans, we tend to think that we're a Christian nation, so if we just live as good Americans, then we're living Christian lives. No, 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 no. A Christian life is a life that follows Jesus. And our citizenship, no matter how blessed we are, and we are blessed to be citizens of this country, who believes that? That's no substitute for following Jesus. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it.
That parable was echoed in Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So a solid foundation is one that's built on coming to Jesus. That's conversion. We come to Jesus, give him our life. Listening to Jesus and obeying Jesus. If you have a red-letter Bible, that's those red letters in your Bible, taking them seriously not disregarding the rest of the scriptures, but rightly dividing the word. What he says is important. If you want a stable life, follow him, follow his directions. You ever gotten an item, complicated item in the mail that you ordered and you try to put it together without following the directions? That's a great accomplishment. But if you have extra parts, you didn't follow the directions, you may have problems later. So it is with our life. If we attempt to follow Jesus on our own terms, going to miss the mark, and when the tests of life come, we're going to fall apart. We're seeing people all over the country renouncing their faith. How's that happening? They're not disciples. They're not Jesus followers. They may have it in their church's slogan, but they're not pursuing him on their face, humbling themselves, laying down their will, hearing his voice. You'd never turn back because he's empowering you to do his will. So I'm very concerned about the American church getting huge altar calls, people doing a repeat after me prayer and not living changed lives. Living changed lives isn't just, I'm going to change my life. It's, it's I'm going to align my life with what Jesus says. And the change comes about as a result. I'm telling you, it's gotten so bad that some megachurches consider a engaged member as someone who attends services 1.6 times a month. Now, I'm not promoting the concept that you need to be here every time the doors are open, but if you don't have a commitment of meeting with other believers more than a couple times a month, that's not fully devoted followership. We'll see that in our next point. How to truly follow the Lord, seek his kingdom first, follow his teachings. Jesus commanded his followers before exiting this planet. He said, go therefore. Therefore, what's that therefore? He had said, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Can we say authority? So because I have that, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's other Jesus followers. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I, Jesus Christ, have commanded you. Oh, we want to observe all kinds of religious things, all kinds of traditions, all kinds of policies, but where is Jesus in the mix? He's the leader. Everything submits to his lordship. 
We can rant and rave about the culture going to hell in a handbasket, but the truth is, how's our culture? Are we following Jesus? Is he pleased to see us doing what he's called us to do? He may be calling you to do something that you're, that, that's different than what you're doing right now, and you are not even open to hearing him. Maybe if he woke you up in the middle of the night and told you what he wanted you to do, you'd rebuke the devil. <laughs> At least get on your face and say, Lord, is this you? I need you to confirm this to me. How to truly follow the Lord? Commit to assembling with other followers. This is more than 1.6 times a month. This is more than Sunday morning. This is fellowship. This is prayer. This is worship. This is Bible study. This is relationship. You know, relationships naturally create accountability. Who knows that's true? It just does. A brother asks you for prayer. The next time you see that brother, you're going to ask, How's that? how are you doing in that area? It just happens naturally. I had a friend that started an accountability group here, and some of the people in that group don't even speak to each other anymore because they were trying to make something happen. If you meet with believers... I don't care if it's a weekly breakfast or whatever, and you share your prayer needs. Every time you get together, you're going to have conversations. Hey, how are you doing with that thing you were praying about? Oh, man, I fell off the wagon again. Or, oh, I this. See, accountability just naturally happens. It's not about digging into your past and digging up all your dirty laundry and confessing it to somebody. That's the Lord's business. But what are you doing today to follow Jesus? What is he leading you to do today? And you'll grow in friendship. You'll grow in fellowship. You'll grow in Christ. But we must be committed to this. The writer of Hebrews chapter 10, 24 said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I'm going to say something very bold here to the people online. Some of you say you don't believe in organized religion, and you're going to church services and fellowship times and Bible studies online. You have total control. You have the stop button. You have the change channel button. You have the rewind and the fast forward and the delete button. You're in charge. You're your own Lord. You're not following Jesus. Get with believers that are trying to follow Jesus. Maybe they're not doing it right. Maybe they're not doing it perfect. Maybe they're not doing what uh, you think they should do. But if you're not around us, how are we ever going to hear your, your thoughts? Show us how it's done. Go start a church and see how it works for you being disorganized. YouTube itself is very organized. Otherwise, it wouldn't work. In creation, God said, let there be. And then he always established order after the fact. Let there be light, and there was light. Darkness already existed, then light came, and then he established order. Let the light be separated from the darkness. Who's glad for that, that we're not living in perpetual twilight all the time? So he says, let there be. Yes, I know we can organize so much there's no room for God, but we're talking about following God in such a way that it's effective in the world. All right, moving right along. They changed the channel already anyway. How to truly follow the Lord. Learn from God-called leaders. Learn from God-called
called leaders. And that's just not the leaders in this house, but it's the leaders out there that you're able to listen to their podcasts, read their books, learn from them, but make sure they're God-called. Now, if they're given prophecies that don't come to pass and not apologizing, don't learn from them anymore. Don't do it. This bunch calling themselves the prophets, it's a bunch of bunk. There's no such thing as national prophets. There's Ephesians 4 prophets who are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry so they're not blown about by every wind of doctrine in the world. So we grow into maturity as men and women of God, fully devoted followers of Jesus. If leaders are committed to that, then learn from them. Learn from them. Look at what Paul said about himself. 1 Corinthians 4.16, I urge you, imitate me. How bold can you be? If you're a follower of Jesus, as you grow in that, you can actually say something like that without being arrogant. But if you're living in such a way, oh man, I don't want anybody to imitate me, then that's a call to get some things in order. He also said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. One translation says, Follow me as I follow Christ. So this helps us follow him by getting to know other Jesus followers that we respect and we can follow their pattern. Not that they control every instance of your life. You know, tell you when you can take a vacation or not. That's not God's will. But how do they follow Jesus so that you can learn to be more effective in your follower of the Lord? Jesus had groups following him. This me and Jesus got my own thing going thing doesn't work. That may be a great country song, but that is not the will of God. Proverbs 18.1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against wise judgment. So being isolated, maybe you're hurt and wounded, it's time to come out of the shadows. The wilderness time for you is over. It's time to get in a community of believers that will love you and walk with you as they're pursuing Jesus and helping you to pursue Jesus. That's what it's about. Now, here's the problem. We can actually get distracted with the Bible. <gasps> How can you be distracted with the Bible? Without seeking to rightly divide the word. What does the context say? What does the sentence say? What does the paragraph say? Who is this written to? How does it apply to me, taking it seriously? Because there's multiple letters in the New Testament written by Jesus followers. Most of which were written by Paul, but two letters were written by the half-brothers of Jesus Christ. Don't you think they would have something important to say? Don't you think they would know about following Jesus? James became such an intense Jesus follower after his brother ascended that they called him camel knees. He prayed so much that his knees were calloused and looked like camel's knee. Why did he pray so much? Because through the Spirit, he could connect with his brother. Think about that. So he had tasted something we hadn't tasted, but you know what? We can learn from him and receive the same Holy Spirit and read the same words. There's more than enough information. So how can a person be distracted from following Jesus by the Bible? By plain Bible hopscotch. 
reading till you get to something you don't like and skipping it. You're still reading the Word. Maybe you put in four hours a week reading the Word, but you're not reading the words in context. The Bible was written in paragraphs, right? If you read a novel and skipped around like that, by the end of the book, you'd be confused as to how the conclusion came to be in its case. I read the back of the book and we win, hallelujah, but let's find out how to win from the book. All right. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul wrote to that church, verse 17, brethren, join in following my example and note those whose soul walk. In our notes today, we have written 1 Peter 2.21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. So following Jesus isn't something that ended when the church was born. It's continuing through the centuries, even to our day. Jesus left steps for us to walk in. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. What? This is why it's important to follow Jesus, because others can follow you. My dad used to say, boy... People will either read your life and open their Bible or read your life and close their Bible. So we're not talking about rules as much as we're talking about a ruler, the Lord Jesus Christ. And final point, to truly follow the Lord, we need to pursue obeying his call to follow him. Return to this principle. Seek this kingdom first. Follow his teachings. Commit to meeting with other believers. Assembling, not just gathering, but assembling. You know the timely word we gave the other day. Take this watch, take it apart, put it in a bag, you have a gathering, but you don't have an assembling. So assembling with other believers is finding your place to serve, to help, to encourage, to cheer on, to be encouraged, to do something effective for the kingdom. And the fourth point, learn from God-called leaders by pursuing, obeying his call to follow him. This is a calling I believe he issued for all time. He told his disciples in Matthew 16, 24 and 25, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, not somebody else's cross, what you're called to do, what crosses your will. Deny yourself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So following Jesus is the end of following what you want, but it's the beginning of following what you really want, the will of Jesus being done in your life. Who wants to see the kingdom of God advance? He wants us to be participants in that. We are fellow laborers with him. In John 12, 26, Jesus said, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, this is a personal calling. I appreciate discipleship courses and discipleship workbooks, whatever people are doing to endeavor to help us become fully devoted followers of Jesus, but if all you got out of something like that was a certificate to put on the wall or a merit badge to wear on Sunday mornings, you're not really a follower of Jesus. 
till you follow his will for your life, our lives, and your individual life. When Jesus reconciled with Peter on the banks of Galilee, he predicted his death, and Peter turned and looked at John and said, but what about that guy? Distracted by another Jesus follower. If you compare yourselves to others and are preoccupied with whether or not things are going your way compared to their way, you need this verse. John 21, 22, Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, if I want John to still be alive when I return, what is that to you? You follow me. If I want Billy Bob to be a millionaire, how is that any of your business? You follow me. Not about my comfort, my will being fulfilled. It's about his will being fulfilled. Boy, I can't wait till we get on to another subject. Listen, this is the subject. Everything revolves around this. Are you a Jesus follower? Can we sing this little chorus together? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I recently discovered the backstory to that song, and it is mind-blowing. Watch this. In 1904, revival swept across Wales. God made himself known in a very special and personal way. After the revival, a Welshman ventured halfway across the world to India and he trekked up the mountains towards a remote village in the east. He was told, go back. The tribe in that village are famously violent. But the Welshman ignored the warnings, because even these savage headhunters should have the opportunity to hear about the mercy of God. One tribesman and his family heard the gospel and received Jesus as their saviour. The good news was too good to keep to themselves, and they shared the gospel with others in the tribe. The chief was very angry, and he had the tribesman and his family dragged before the village. Stop following Jesus, the chief demanded. The tribesman replied, No, I have decided to follow Jesus. I am not turning back. The chief was furious and killed the tribesman's children. Stop following Jesus, the chief insisted. The tribesman replied, Though none go with me, I still will follow. No turning back. The chief showed no mercy, and he killed the tribesman's wife. Now you will stop following this Jesus, the chief said. The tribesman looked the chief in the eyes, and replied, the cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. The chief could not believe his ears 
and he killed the tribesman. Jesus said, If a grain of wheat dies, it bears much fruit. And that day many of the villagers who witnessed the persecution of that tribesman and his family also decided to follow Jesus. Even the chief himself became a follower of Jesus Christ. The tribesman's last words became the song of the village and today it is sung all around the world. I have decided to follow Christian population of India is 3%. This part of India where the Garo people live, the Christian population is 92% because of the mighty witness of that martyr. The chief even became converted. Sing it together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Our calling is to follow Jesus. The concept of accepting him as your personal savior is a beautiful concept, but you don't have a personal Jesus. You have a Jesus who's calling you into a personal walk with him. He is Lord, and He is Savior. It's great to be saved from our sins, but we're talking about more than fire insurance and not going to hell and living life like we want it. We're called to fulfill the will of God on the earth. It's a call to be a disciple. It's a call to follow Him. Will you accept that call? Let's pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that Your Word would take root in our hearts in such a way that we never walk the same, we never live the same, that we start each day with a prayer on our lips, Lord, I want to follow you today. Lead me, guide me. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 8 opens with, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, after the Spirit. Romans 7 paints a picture of the human condition that is a reality in our lives if we don't walk after the Spirit. We'll be doing things we don't want to do. But when we walk after the Spirit, Romans 8 promises, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What is walking after the Spirit? 
The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. And He is Lord. He is supreme. It's become really popular out in the charismatic world to call the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. It's fine to say Holy Spirit if you're addressing Him directly, but if you're talking, the appropriate biblical way is the Holy Spirit. In fact, when Jesus spoke of the Holy Spirit, in Greek, He said, the Spirit, the Holy. Like Spanish, the noun precedes the adjective. He used double thus in the Greek for that. The Spirit, the Holy, that is the Holy Spirit, and we need to call Him the Holy Spirit unless you're directing Him directly. To keep in mind, He is supreme in our life. We do His will. He's not like our best bud who does what we want. He's not the big man upstairs. He is Lord of all. Amen? Somebody said He's Lord of all or not Lord at all. Well, in reality, He's Lord anyway. He's Lord of all. It's time that our lives line up with it. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord and sing this song together. I love this song. You can have it all, Lord. Every part of my world. Take this life and breathe it on. This heart that is now.
sometimes in prayer, I, I get on the floor and surrender afresh to the calling to follow Jesus. I'll take my watch off, symbolizing my life, my time, 86,400 seconds every day. We all get that. I lay that out for the Lord and surrender it. My keys, my transportation, my home, my authority. I lay that down before the Lord. Lord, it's yours. I give it to you. Show me what to do with it. My phone, my connections, my relationships, things I read, my social connections. I lay that down before the Lord. My wallet, my resources, my potential, my buying power. I lay that down before the Lord. I'll take my glasses off, my weaknesses. I lay that down before the Lord. I take my shoes off, my strength. I lay that down before the Lord and remind myself, it's all is. If you could just take one thing to symbolize your life, and you can either stand, kneel, sit, come to the altar, wherever, as we sing this song again, just lay that thing before him as a representative of your life. Lord, I really want to take following you seriously. Can you do that? You can have it all, Lord. Can we do that right now as we sing it again? Go ahead, team. today you may think what are you guys doing getting saved again no salvation is secure in the Lord were you doing something to stay saved no we're doing something relates to why we're saved <laughs> we're not saved and useless in the master's hands we're saved and useful and we're just reminding ourselves of these things because that's what we're called to do Hebrews says be reminded lest you let things slip this is call to fully devote the Lord. Maybe he's calling you to go to another country. Maybe he's calling you to do something that you don't want to do. This is why it's important to surrender so that you are willing. It's all about surrendering our will to his lordship so that he's not only our savior, but our
fire. committed to the Lord and that your priorities have been realigned in the proper place you get up and seek to obey him if he's calling you to be reconciled with someone go do your part if he's whatever he's telling you to do do it thank you for worshiping with us today the Lord loves you more than you know he loves you so much he gave his only son to die for you you be blessed in all that you do. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his shalom peace, real peace, not cheap peace. Not peace that's based on compromise, but peace that's based on Calvary's conquest where Jesus is Lord. Amen. Go live out his lordship for you. Amen. I lay it all down.